Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Flavor of the Week, brought to you by Cap and Cork Beer, Wine, and Spirits, with 15 locations in Fort Wayne and New Haven. In good spirits, in good company. In Flavor of the Week, Kyle sits down with one of our local priests over four different episodes to sample variations of a favorite food or drink while they discuss the ins and outs of life as a priest. This is Kyle Hyman. I am here with Father Craig Borchard for the first installment of our Flavor of the Week. Thanks for being here, Father Craig. Awesome to be here. Thank you. Hanging out in the the rectory rectory slash parish offices. Yes. Yes. Old building, 1910. Okay. Yep. It's got a very classic feel to it. It does. It does. Yes. So for flavors, you said beer and then listed off a bunch of (laughs) really funny names, which people thought that you were just making stuff up. Yes. But they're actually real names. They are real names. Puppy Slumber Party (laughs) is one of my favorites. It is. Yes. (laughs) So I've got a bunch to choose from here. Our friends over at Captain Cork hooked us up. Anything in particular you want to start with? Yeah, I think we need to try that Imperial Stout with the bananas. Oh, okay. I think that's this one here. No, uh, let's see. The brewery. Here it is. Okay. Yes. It's just called banana bread. <laughs> is that something you're into? Banana bread beer? I mean, I like banana bread and I like beer, so we'll see how they go together. All right. Shall we? <laughs> let's do it. Okay, I'll pour for us here. Okay, I'm, I'm glad it didn't foam over there. Yeah, percent, so. Okay. Pour a little bit. Yes. <laughs> It's just for sipping and enjoying. Okay. All right. Well, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Imperial stouts are better when they're a little warmer, actually. So as oh, okay. they warm up, they mm. tend to open up a little bit, as opposed to lighter beers are better really cold. But these yeah. Imperial stouts are better. They actually give you the the ideal serving temperature. Oh, so yeah. 45 degrees. Um, but as they warm up, they get really good. All right. Yeah. How do you feel about it so far? It's good. It's good. Yeah, I bet you as it warms up, you'll start to taste the banana a little bit more. It's, you can't taste too much of the it banana. It is pretty right subtle. Now. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as uh, syrupy as I was expecting. Oh, no. Sometimes the stouts can, I feel like they're a little thick. Yeah. Pastry stouts are absolutely delicious. Okay. So they're great. Well, good. I'm glad you're enjoying <laughs> it. It's very good. All right. So, Father Craig, what was your family life growing up and what was some of your journey in Catholicism and, and toward the priesthood? Sure. Well, I was a cradle Catholic. Uh-huh. Grew up actually in the Detroit, Michigan area up in the suburbs. Oh, okay. You know, I was dragged a little bit to church um, every week. At what age would you say? You, My whole you life felt actually. Dragged. Uh, I mean, more in my teenage years, I guess. Uh, I was feeling a little bit more like that. However, as much as sometimes I didn't really want to go to church, I always recognized that going to church was somehow important. Even though I didn't always like going to church, I would never wanted to be late. <laughs> Because you got that from your parents or sure something? from yeah, from my family, okay. but also from I went to Catholic school. Um, I've joked that I went K to P kindergarten to priest all in Catholic school. So <laughs> okay. I literally spent, you know, yeah. whatever it is, you know, 19, 20 years, whatever it was. I think it was yeah. 24 years. I think uh-huh. it took me 24 years to just go to a couple letters of the alphabet. Yeah. But uh, a big turning point in my life, though was my senior year of high school. I went on a retreat called Kairos. Uh-huh. It was my senior year in high school. I went to Brother Rice High School and that retreat totally just did a 180 in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I encountered Jesus in the Eucharist. In a way, you know, I was unfortunately not fully aware of how much the Lord had been giving me throughout my life between baptism and confirmation, Eucharist and reconciliation, but I never fully received or knew what a great gift I had been given until that retreat. And the Lord kind of opened my eyes to see, oh, that really is Jesus. Yeah, And that totally changed my life. Do you think it was a lack of K 
catechesis or just you had to be older to appreciate it and it wasn't until you were in high school or why had you not had that experience until yeah actually the retreat? I, you know some people it is lack of catechesis i wouldn't say that for me mm-hmm. i was blessed to go to you know really great schools my whole life I was taught the faith well. For me, it was really a struggle with faith. Um, I used to sit in church and just ask the Lord, if you're real, show it to me. Because yeah. I, I struggled. I yeah. just struggled. I didn't know. Uh, is I feel this, like that's very common. Yeah. Is this really real? You know, is God really real? Is is that is that really Jesus? Give right me a there? sign. Yeah. And I would basically, yeah, that, that old prayer, right? Give me a sign. Yeah. Yeah. In my senior year of high school, I went on this retreat and I just had this experience almost hard to explain of just being in front of the blessed sacrament mm-hmm. um, and just seeing the Lord look at me basically hmm. and have this just experience that just felt, saw, received this image of just Jesus just looking right at me. And it just pierced my heart and just opened it wide. And then just the graces just flowed right in and it just opened my eyes to realize, wow, God has been with me all these years and I just never fully realized it. It's almost hard to explain how radical of a shift that was for me, but that was the probably the main turning point. Now, of course, if I hadn't had, you know, my family upbringing, school, mm-hmm. learning the faith and, you know, all those things, that was I needed that as the the ground <laughs> right. to launch off of, right. right? So, after that experience, I decided well, I'd really want to go to a Catholic university or at least a university where I know that I can grow in my faith. Sure. So I had, you know, applied to some different schools, but Notre Dame was my my first choice and I was accepted. Mm-hmm. So came to the South Bend area and I was at Notre Dame for five years. Wow, that was awesome. That really accelerated my growth in the faith because um, it started to put some intellectual meat on the bones of that sort of guttural experience that I had in high school. What were you studying? Well, I started off in chemistry and I got slaughtered. So <laughs> I I switched over to engineering, which people will scratch their heads. Wait, you went from chemistry to engineering? It doesn't seem any easier. Well, for the, just the way my brain is wired, engineering just fit better with kind of how my brain's wired. And I actually was pursuing my childhood dream of designing roller coasters. Okay. This was my childhood dream. <laughs> they have video games for that now. They do. And I played <laughs> really nerdy games, but I studied civil engineering. And about halfway through my time, I was growing in my faith. I had met a lot of really awesome Catholics, introduced me to this thing called daily mass, which I didn't know existed. So about my junior year, I'd said that Lent, I would start um, trying out daily mass or at least going to mass a few more times a week. Uh So I went, you know, I'd go one extra time a week, Sunday and then whatever, Wednesday or something. And then, you know, a couple weeks in, I started doing, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays and Sundays. And oh my gosh, within a few months, all of a sudden I was going every day uh-huh. and I couldn't miss it. Just having that time of prayer, quiet, receiving the Lord in the Eucharist, it just was awesome. Plus there was a great community of people that were going and all of that. So I was introduced to theology of the body, uh-huh. uh, which was awesome. Started learning, oh my gosh, there's actually a reason behind all of these teachings. Right. <laughs> this didn't just come out of thin air. The church didn't just decide you know, for fun, let's teach this, this, and this. And there's actually a reason, there's a theology of the body, you know, behind all these teachings. So there was that started, you know, I was doing retreats and I was just getting more involved with my faith. So I decided there's a requirement at Notre Dame. Let's see, it's two philosophy courses and two theology courses. Every student, there's a core curriculum requirement. Okay. I loved my two theology courses. Yeah. 
So I decided well, I should add theology, you know, to okay. study my faith more. And so as, and a, a, as a minor or as oh, a being major? a classic, you know, Borchardt, I'm an overachiever. Okay. So, um, <laughs> or maybe just an overanalyzer. So uh-huh. I decided, well, let's just go all the way. And yeah. so I did the dual degree program, which was great because it gave me, I got to do more credits. Mm-hmm. It also enabled me to go to London. I wanted to do study abroad. My brother and sister-in-law really encouraged me to do that. But having the dual degree, what I did was I skipped a year of engineering went to London, studied for a semester, just did arts and letters work, theology and other my requirements. So I had an amazing experience in London. It's the first time that I wasn't in a dominant Catholic environment, mm-hmm. right? Growing up, going to my parish, Catholic school, Catholic high school, yeah. Catholic university, Catholic. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm in London and there's this huge melting pot and there's right. people of all different you know, faiths. And by the time I was about a senior <laughs> Getting near the end of my time at Notre Dame, I was realizing that the Lord had something else in mind for me. I had this dream of being a roller coaster designer. I had worked <laughs> at Cedar Point for two summers, okay. actually, and had a great time, but I had to ask myself this question. I love roller coasters a lot. Do I want to give my whole life to roller coasters? Uh. And the answer was simple, and I had peace about it. No, mm-hmm, but sure. I just knew the Lord had something else in yeah. mind. My heart was stirring for something different. So by my senior year, instead of getting like another engineering job, related job, I did Notre Dame Vision. Mm-hmm. It's a retreat program for high school students at Notre Dame over the summer. And I was a counselor. I was actually a musician. It's almost like a summer camp. Yeah, kind too, of. It's right? like it's like a cross between like a summer camp and a retreat. Yeah. It's really um, all about discerning and discerning your vocation. What are your talents and how can you use your talents to better serve God and his kingdom? Mm-hmm. But it was a great experience. And that was amazing. And I remember after that summer thinking, I think that I have to really consider something in theology because my heart is totally on fire for all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I still loved engineering and all that. I didn't dislike it, but there was just something, again, stirring in the heart. So when I finished college, rather than you know start a career in, in engineering, going to some firm, I got a job at the Theology of the Body Institute uh-huh. as an intern. And I'd say next to my Kairos experience, that those four days in high school, my year at the Theology of the Body Institute was probably right next to Kairos, one of the most important periods, so to speak, or a single kind of moment in my life, um, that time in Philadelphia. The shortest way to explain it is um, Jesus kind of kicked my butt a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and just he, Jesus just put his foot down on the accelerator pedal in terms of discernment, growth, maturity, uh-huh. um, working through, you know, just some, some stuff, uh, you know, that was lingering from my days in high school and college and just, yeah, just growing in my self like confidence and just accepting the amazing gift of myself that, you know, God had made me good um, and to accept that gift and to work through a couple areas of, you know, woundedness, relationships, you know, and all, all sorts of different categories, you know, and it was awesome. And I met the most amazing priests when I spent that year at the Institute. We did immersion courses. They're basically a week. It's really more like a retreat than it is a course, but you go through the theology of the body cover to cover. People found healing. Yeah. Through this beautiful teaching of John Paul II. And so did I mm. in that year. And again, I just met these most amazing priests. And I remember thinking, I desire that. Yeah. <laughs> they're joyful, they're happy, they're masculine. That's something that is appealing to my heart. Now, at the same time, I had met some really awesome women too <laughs> when yeah. I was there. And so I was, you know, had to really discern well in prayer, you know, between, you know, this beautiful vocation to marriage, this beautiful vocation to, you know, to the priesthood. The final moment <laughs> when I knew that the Lord 
was calling me to the priesthood. And I had been thinking about it ever since that Kairos experience. Uh Um, Because all I wanted to do was give that gift back to people. I had received this gift of the faith of Jesus, of the Lord, of of God, the Father's love. I just wanted to give it back. That's all I wanted. So that had stuck with me all throughout college. And then the final moment when kind of the Lord tipped me over, it was the closing mass of one of the retreats. And I went up to receive communion, which um, I, you know, would normally receive communion on the tongue, but I was kind of in the praise and worshipy mode of having my hands out <laughs> while I was going up for communion. I was, well, that day I went up and, you know, did the classic thing where you stick your tongue out and you have your hands out and the <laughs> priest doesn't know what to do, which, well, of course the priest put the host in my hands, which for me was like, you know, in my mind, it was symbolic of like, the priest is the one who holds the host. That's what I was thinking at the time. And so like, I was thinking about the priesthood <laughs> and like the priest puts the host in my hands. So I receive communion. I go back to my chair and I'm just staring at my hands. And I don't know why. It's huh. so bizarre. I'm in prayer. I'm received the Lord and I'm just staring at my hands. And I start to think to myself, why am I staring at my hands? This is kind of weird. And then the Lord just kind of spoke to me. I didn't hear a voice, you know, but it was very clear in my heart, you know, in my mind. And he said, I want these hands. Hmm. I want those hands. And then he said, I want these hands to be my hands. And I like, (laughs) it was awesome. I just, it really struck me. It, you know, it arrested me. Um, And I realized that that was the deepest desire of my heart was to be Jesus's hands. And I thought of all the times that I had received healing, you know, over the past year at the Institute by the hand of a priest in the confessional, raising his hand in absolution. And like, I thought that's what I really want more than anything is to facilitate that encounter with the Lord. As I thought in high school, you know, facilitate that encounter with the Lord with others. So make a very long story short, I went to seminary for six years and then I became a priest. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot more that happened at seminary, yeah. a lot more. But but just to close the story, at my ordination, this was a just, oh, the graces of ordination, the, the actual ordination mass, every priest has a story about his ordination and what happened. Um, obviously, they became a priest. That's what happened. But there's, uh-huh. there's, a, there's a story within the story, a meta story, so to speak. And for me, I had been ordained a priest and celebrating, you know, with the bishop, up at the altar. And as a priest, the Eucharist has been consecrated. So you have the Eucharist there. And then during the Lamb of God, the concelebrants hold the host in their hand Mm -hmm. for a period of time as the Lamb of God is finishing, right? And then you receive the host, but you have this little moment. And Father Andrew Brzezinski once told me, it's it's your little moment of adoration. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You get this little moment of adoration where you hold the host in your hand and you're just staring at Jesus. And I felt my heartbeat in my tips of my fingers as I was holding the host, which, you, you know, you don't, you're not always aware of your heart beating. And at this moment, as I'm holding the host, I could feel like my heartbeat in the tip of my fingers. Mm. And um, I was like, wow. oh, well, that's kind of weird. And then again, the voice, like the Lord speaks to me. Um, Our hearts now beat as one. <sighs> and I was like, oh, whoa, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> Just like, and I, you know, that's, that's a, that's a humbling thing. Cause I'm like, who am I, <laughs> like, who am I, you know? Um, and it really humbled me, but it also really just, just struck me that it was, it was kind of a closing of that full circle of, you know, the Lord sort of inviting me to be his hands, so to speak, you know, and then to have that kind of come close full circle with, you know, now as a priest, like my heart is supposed to beat, 
you know, as one with Jesus. Right. Now, if I screw up, you know, when I sin, when I fail in different ways, you know, my heart gets out of sync with the Lord's and I have to receive forgiveness to get it back in sync. But the Lord kind of gave me the ideal in a way at that moment, like that our hearts now beat as one, you now are a priest. And this is what I call you to. And in a way, we're all called to that, of course, sure. you know, to to have our hearts beat in unison with the Lord's. But it was a particular grace that the Lord gave me in that moment. So, so I have three big follow-up questions. Okay, great. Oh, we're out of time. Okay. So I'll have to save it for next time. Sure. But for now, how do you rank the uh, banana bread from the brewery? Okay, so bakery? this is my second sip because I've been talking a lot. Yeah. And it's already warmed up and I can taste the banana a little bit more now. It's I, getting better. It, it <laughs> Even after you take a sip, like it's like a minute later, I started to taste it. <laughs> That's the like, Imperial oh, Stouts. The They're banana. great. Yeah. So yeah, it's good. I've never had this one before, but the brewery is a good, good place in, in California, so... What what do you give it on a scale of one to ten? Oh boy, um, I would say we're seven, seven and a half. Okay, it's good. It's good right. stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to pick up where we left off here in a future part episode <laughs> session of Flavor of the Week. Awesome with Father Craig Borchard. <laughs>